0: This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. As always, I am Bill Nye, the Dynasty Guy, joined by my esteemed cohort, who this week got the better of me in week one, Mister Eric Kravitz.
0: I got the better of you in our redraft league. You got the better of me in a dynasty league that I needed you to get the better of me, and so thank you, Will.
1: Do you really count? Like, do you really count that against the team that's tanking? Uh,
0: is it a is it a is it a check mark in the win column, or is it a check mark in the loss column?
1: It's a check mark in the win column.
0: And are you trying to win in that league? Yes. So then why wouldn't it count?
1: I don't know. You know why.
0: I do know why. You can yell at Will about why he's being a little bitch about this on Twitter at FDD underscore ethos. You can also find us at BNK radio.
1: And, and the reason is Mr. Kravit and myself faced each other this week and ultimately... He came out victorious. I mounted a strong comeback. thanks you to the Dallas defense for pretty much keeping me in it. But, Kravit, basically your win was essentially sealed, even though it came close. Because both of us are Jet fans, and unfortunately we have waited for this past Monday evening for weeks and months, and in a span of about four minutes, it came crumbling down.
0: I wouldn't even say... Not, not four minutes, Will. Four snaps.
1: But it total, it, it, it was about four minutes, but either way.
0: Four snaps was how long it took for the curse of the Jets to rear its ugly head and say, hey guys, you do realize these are the New York Jets, right? This isn't a team that's allowed to have nice things. Why would you think you could ever have anything nice? And then Aaron Rodgers, who was attacked all four of his snaps, by the way. The offensive line did a terrible job protecting him. But We could talk about that at a later portion in this show. Completely tore his Achilles, which is better than a partial tear, I'd say. Done for the year. And once again, I feel like I'm a broken record at this point. But we have Zach Wilson, who we hope you picked up on your waiver wires in a super flex league because he's a starting quarterback and those are goddamn gold. He is going to be steering the ship for the rest of the year for the one and O New York Jets.
1: You know, I have him in a dynasty league. <laughs> it was one of my <laughs> first draft picks as I took over a team. Oof! I was offered a trade for him just uh, this morning. What was it? Zach Wilson and my third third round pick for a second and Mike White
0: is that is Zach Wilson starting for you
1: no currently my starters are Derek Carr and CJ Stroud
0: okay so Zach Wilson actually has some viability on your bench you can't make that trade
1: no I also have Josh Dobbs but I'm pretty sure he's only going to start like this week and then he's probably done too
0: yeah that's a Clayton Tune team if ever there was one
1: he had negative points in the league that we're in together with this past week
0: I don't understand how a, qu- a quarterback, yes, negative points, unflippin' believable. <laughs> that that that's incredibly underwhelming. And uh, honestly, I know it's week one, but almost every game was underwhelming.
1: The theme of the week was underwhelming. Outside of your boy Brandon Ayuk, anyway.
0: Um. Oh, <laughs> We could talk about Brandon Ayuk as long as we as long as we talk about the collective of the Dallas Cowboys defense. And I know a lot of dynasty teams don't have team. team defenses; they do have IDPs. I'm not a I'm not an expert on IDP, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I would take Mika Parsons within the first four rounds of an IDP league where linebackers score a decent amount of points because he is without a shadow of a doubt one of the best linebackers in the league probably for the the past decade the dude is a monster that entire defense is special and it sucks to say that because we got to see them this week but Mika Parsons just takes everybody up to
1: the next level he is insane no he really is and you know outside of you know maybe TJ Watt maybe Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald, Donald on the back end of his career, he might very well be the best overall defensive player in the league right now. You could argue we make that a discussion. But outside of the Dallas defense, who absolutely destroyed the Giants, outside of Brandon Ayuk, a few other guys here and there, overall very sloppy play from top to bottom. That goes back to the lack of actual game reps team starters get now in the preseason. So almost week one, two, and two especially, are almost like preseason games as far as getting, you know, everyone on the same page, offensive line issues, wide receiver issues, timing issues, etc. So a very unfortunate overall. We do not like to see that level of sloppiness, especially let's say if you started anyone on the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, a whopping three points, T Higgins, an, a zero. Jamar Chase, I think had four. Uh, depending on uh, your your settings on average. Absolutely atrocious. I think Joe Mixon actually scored the most points out of everyone, which I know Kravit loves to hear. Just as an
0: example. (laughs) Yeah, there we Um, go. Jamar Chase had five receptions for 39 yards. In a full PPR, which is the norm, he had about nine, which is still not good for somebody who was probably drafted one-two in both dynasties and redrafts. Not something you want to see. But my favorite performance of the weekend, I must say, comes from a receiver that was not in one of our top 10s coming into the season. I don't even believe he was in one of our top 15s. And I will give you a hint. It wasn't me who was blaspheming. Well, do you remember? Do you remember blaspheming? Do you remember doing that? Because I do. A little bit, yes. You're, do you do because I remember. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember just completely dismantling the name of Tyreek Hill?
1: I don't remember dismantling his name. <laughs> I simply said <laughs> that in a dynasty startup, I would move him down because if you're project if you're w- planning to win the first year and the first year only, great. But as far as building a team for the future, yes, I get that he's absolutely amazing, especially while Tua is healthy, which we don't know how much longer that's going to last. But he is only scheduled to play on his own admission another year. So I stand by the comments. Yes, he's a monster right now, but I stand by the comments.
0: Uh, I mean, he scored 50 points in a lot of leagues, Will. There are wide receivers who can't get 50 points in four weeks, in three weeks, 211 yards. And we've been talking about Tua Tungavailoa, at least I have, as a legitimate building back, build, building block quarterback. Words are really hard sometimes, guys. A building block quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa who threw for 466 yards. And people are out here talking about that he can't throw the ball very far. He can't do much as a quarterback. When your receivers are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, who also had sort of a good game, four receptions, 70, 80 yards, do you really need to do much? And if you were starting now, who is the quarterback that you would take Tua over who you wouldn't have at the beginning of the year?
1: I really don't think that changes very much. I think Was it still... because it's week one? It's week one. I mean, okay. most of the quarterbacks that I probably would have at the top of the list, I probably still have at the top of the list. The one name you're probably, you know, considering maybe moving down and moving to up probably Justin Fields, not a good week. One, but like I said, just week one, what Tua does on the field when he's healthy is, you know, this is normal. He is a good quarterback. The injury concern just has scared a lot of people off. So, you know, that's where we are. Justin Fields is going to have to show everyone that he can take that next step. Otherwise, he's got like a year left in the league of being a starter. And not off to a good start this year. As far as, you know, people that, you know, disappoint week one, sometimes you just chalk it up to a bad first game. As we mentioned, the Bengals, we know they're going to be better. But that's not the case for everybody. So there's tiers of this. You know, you have hyped rookies coming in from the draft, hearing great things all camp. Are they really ready just yet? they get put into roles and then early on in the season they don't quite produce we we exercise caution do not overreact at the same time Kravitz, there's a couple of guys that we gotta point out probably the hype may have been a little bit too high early on
0: oh man I cannot wait I can't wait I know he's not a rookie anymore, and I understand that it might – he's a second-year player, so to me, it's not necessarily the same thing, but he, he was a disappointment enough that I think he falls under over-hyped, under-delivered as a young player. And uh, we both started this person in at least one league uh, this weekend and it turned out to be arguably the stupidest thing either you and I could have done this week.
1: I didn't start a zero.
0: You didn't start a zero, but But you started less than a half. You started (laughs) less than a half, which is basically the same exact thing because Sky Moore had all the praise in the world this preseason. Going up against the Detroit Lions defense, that was very bad in the first half of the season last year sort of worked their way back to being at least average towards the end of the year last year. They had Jack Campbell in the draft. They had a couple of other linebackers. And this game, opening day, Thursday night football, without Travis Kelsey on the field, Sky Moore was primed to make a really big step and sort of take over the receiving court in Kansas City because they don't really have a true alpha right now, especially with Kelsey off the field. Will, do you remember exactly what Sky Moore did?
1: He was targeted four times. Officially, I think three because one was not even close to him. And he only actually caught zero passes and had a rush for four yards. That is
0: correct. Ding, ding, ding.
1: So, yeah, horrible. Then again, pretty much the entire receiving core outside of Rasheed Rice. For Kansas City was absolutely horrible. We're going to throw Kadarius Tony into that mix as well.
0: Who I scored think... more than he, he scored more than double the points of Sky Moore. I need <laughs> to put that out there,
1: <laughs> which is absolutely crazy. I think the problem Sky Moore did—I don't even think he had a target in the first half. All his targets came in the second half. Mahomes seemed off. I do think there are better days ahead, but I absolutely understand because Sky Moore was a first-round draft pick in dynasty two years ago and you've gotten nothing from him you thought this would be the year you might start not a good start but i think you know he may be able to salvage something but he is not going to be another wide receiver one for anybody in the near future he is a wide receiver you know three at best ceiling is think is what we're looking at right now
0: i i'm not an advocate of dropping people after week one especially such a young player so I'm going to say that he is somebody who you can hold on to, at least right now. Another rookie who had a ton of hype and who also had an opportunity to make a name for himself, but for a better reason, is Deuce Vaughn. Team was up 40 nothing. Tony Pollard, only 70 yards on the ground, had two touchdowns. He wasn't on the field that much because Dallas didn't need him, like we covered earlier. The defense did all the heavy, heavy lifting. The offense just had to show up. And Deuce Vaughn kind of showed up. I'm Ron Burgundy. Six carries for eight yards. That sound you heard was me dropping my phone in disgust, reading these stats. Is Deuce Vaughn somebody that you would feel comfortable dropping? Because I'm on the borderline thinking that it is.
1: I mean, we went over this when we were talking about just rankings overall. Tony Pollard is great. Behind him, I'm really not sure they have anything, which is why I was advocating for them to bring in another, you know, bigger running back. Because what you saw, the fact that they really didn't have anyone particularly they liked to even give Pollard a break, you had guys, you know, run here, run there, but nothing substantial. Vaughn, just the size bothers me. I don't think it's anything sustainable. I don't preach dropping any rookie as long as you have space either on your bench or on your taxi, but he is one that I would have probably have a quick hook with. I just, I can't see it being anything significant. You know, maybe if he was a, you know, a punt returner only kind of thing down the road, I just, I do not see him, you know, making a substantial impact. I hope I'm proved wrong, but I, that's one that I think is on the fast track to being dropped quicker than some other guys.
0: I dropped him in a 24-team league, and I think that's reasonable <laughs> um, because the the benches are very shallow. There's no taxi squad, and it's IDP. So every bench space is precious, and I just didn't have the room for him. Six carries, eight yards. Like His ceiling is there in Sproul's. So I think it's safe to say, right? Small small running back At can best, catch out yeah. of the backfield. At least that's how he profiles. Mm-hmm. We didn't see any of that. Sunday night.
1: To be fair, maybe they they also could have not really done anything spectacular or really shown their intended usage because they were up that much. You
0: know? mm, I mean, if anything, it would be a good opportunity to get him the reps and to see what he could do. Like, because there's literally no harm in it. You're up thirty nothing, forty nothing. What's the problem? Fair enough. I I don't see an issue giving him. I don't. I definitely don't see an issue giving him more than fourteen percent
1: of the snaps. Yep, and I think that's the problem. Like you look at it, and he really doesn't fit any traditional role. Maybe just the kind of weapon, but at that size, it, it concerns me longevity, which also shows me maybe they're concerned about. It. They don't want him out there too much in any one game, and that could be a problem. One of the guys that started skyrocketing up boards based on his destination was Quinton Johnson, figuring going in with Herbert, Mike Williams always hurt. Well, Mike Williams left the game temporarily. Mike Williams had, you know, your average Mike Williams game. And Quentin Johnson really was not involved in an offense like theirs where they do have, you know, secondary and tertiary wide receivers, names you're more familiar with, like Palmer, or tight end part of him in the red zone they do have a lot of weapons are you concerned about his lack of usage after week one or just give it time
0: i really want to say give him time because he does come with a first round draft capital hell we, we with the jets we're giving this guy a third chance because he was taken in the first round and a high first round pick at that right so having that draft capital means you're going to get multiple chances whether or not you deserve them Quentin Johnson is somebody who I think can still end up being productive this year only because both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have not been the bastion of perfect health over the past few years, especially Mike Williams. And Mike Williams and QJ sort of do the same thing. They're there to take the top off the defense and to stretch the field. Both really big bodies. QJ is 6'4, 215. He's there to be that guy. And the one designed play that they had for him was a shovel pass. And that got three yards. So the usage wasn't correct in a game that they lost against Miami that they probably should have won. I feel like his usage could have been a lot better. He was only on the field for 27% of the snaps too. Very low usage. And partially this could be because of the reports. He wasn't catching things very well in training camp and at rookie camp and in the preseason. But that was the issue with Jamar Chase. And he's turned into literally the second best receiver, probably the best on certain days of the week. So I am here to preach patience with Quinton Johnson.
1: Fair enough. And, you know, for every disappointment, you know, you look at guys that did well. One more running back that we should mention as far as a rookie, Zach Charbonnet was hyped. I think what we saw was Walker is still very much the guy, and Charbonnet at this point in time is very much the backup. Everyone thought he'd have standalone value, but it looks like it may be a little bit before we ever see that. As far as guys who you know really showed out as rookies, we want to kind of get an assessment of this rookie class. Three wide receivers currently stand above everyone else, and two of them were first, maybe early second rookie picks, and one was a later pick. And pretty much Zay Flowers exceeded everybody's expectations. Clearly already, you know, most likely the number one receiver. past Odell, passed Bateman really quickly. Addison operated as the number three. Put up numbers like the number two option. And Puka Nakua, the third or fourth round draft pick for most rookie dynasty drafts in the absence of Cooper Cup. Played a little bit, not going to say Cooper Cup, but played more like he reminds me more of a Robert Woods type, a big body possession receiver, a lot of catches, and just kind of fascinating and proving that, you know, Van Jefferson is absolutely nothing. And Tutu Atwell, serviceable, but really not good. So you look at the lack of depth behind Cooper Cup, and it's really shocking. Not taking anything away from Puka. Obviously, balled out. But just absolutely crazy that he put up 10 plus catches against all the veteran receivers on that roster.
0: 15 targets for Puka Nakua. I'm going to say that again. 15 targets for a rookie wide receiver on his first First day of work. Absolutely. God damn ridiculous. And I'm going to give you a little bit of pushback on Tutu Wawa because yes, he's a lot smaller. He's only 5'9". He's still at 119 yards on six receptions. So he played very well in the absence of Cooper Cup. But with that said, once Cup comes back, I do think it's going to be him and Nakua. Being the two main guys, Tutu Atwell could have taken a step forward. Um, in the preseason, Brian Reynolds was a guy that everybody wanted to see take that step. He very obviously did not. And surprisingly, Tyler Higby did not do nearly as much as people wanted him to. Only three targets on the day, caught all three of them for 49 yards. But when a rookie quarterback is literally not a rookie quarterback, a rookie wide receiver is getting five times the amount of targets that you, a vet on that team who commands respect, is getting. Something's going on over there. And we also have to sort of give a shout-out to Matthew Stafford, who sort of turned back the clock and played very, very, very well. Um, Over 300 yards, did not throw a touchdown, didn't turn the ball over. But he, he looked... Pretty good. And if that's the Matt Stafford we're going to get, Puka Naku and Cooper Cup both, I think, can be productive on a fantasy
1: level. It's all about him staying healthy. And he finally looked healthy, and he hasn't been healthy in nearly a year and a half since the Super Bowl. And, you know, hopefully, you know, that works out well. Uh, As far as rookies, you know, obviously, Dynasty, you want to focus on the new kids on the block right away. And Kravitz, (laughs) just because. We like to, you know, toss a wrench into the plans. The two top running backs of the draft both had outstanding debuts. Can't argue with that. Both got usage problems in week one, though, because Bijan Robinson could have had a 40-point day. But Tyler Algier got in the way. Jamar Gibbs, solid day. Slightly different in the fact that david montgomery is more the traditional running back on early downs but are you at all concerned from either of these running backs what you saw week one as far as not not actually concerned both of them are going to put up their numbers but i mean as far as the coaches seemingly plan to use the other running backs in the backfield with them
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna bring my my closer to my mouth on this one and i'm gonna speak lower i have been saying since before the preseason started, since the NFL draft itself, that the Atlanta Falcons would be running that ball at least 60% of the time, and that B. John Robinson would not be the beneficiary of every single one of those carries. People called me crazy. People called me a madman, but here we are Thursday after week two. Week one, and Tyler Algier has 75 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and it does not look like that offense is going to stop splitting carries anytime soon, especially now that Cordero Patterson is going to be back and healthy.
1: Are you, for for that offense, are you more shocked that Algier vultured not one but two touchdowns from their shiny new toy at running back? Or that Drake London put up a fat zero, and Kyle Pitts, for the most part, was once again nowhere to be found.
0: I, I, Drake London putting up a zero and Kyle Pitts doing nothing is the opposite of shocking to me. It, it, it was almost expected. Desmond Ritter only threw the ball eighteen times. Completed 15 of them, but for only 118 yards. 15 completions for less than 150 yards. And people are trying to convince themselves, Jared, that Kyle Pitts is still going to be something, that Drake London is still going to be something. They played a pretty bad Panthers defense who lost J.C. Horn. And he was their best defensive player outside of Brian Burns.
1: Yeah, it's a good thing uh, I had the foresight to trade London.
0: 118 yards from Desmond Ritter throwing through the air. Yeah, it's not good. It's a run first. And and you you said Bijan is going to get his looks. He's going to get his carries. He's way too athletic not to. We saw that on his touchdown run. He he, he pulled a whoop. Oh, 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 Chris Berman. But... Algier is gonna be there. Cornell Patterson is gonna be there. That offense is going to run through the running backs. And I'm not as worried about B John, but it's concerning to see how much burn Tyler Algier got. I'm I don't think that he's going to finish better than B John long term this season because B John is obviously the shiny toy. And as the season progresses, he should see more and more carries but it's going to be like a 60 40 split and a lot of people don't want to hear it and I, I apologize to you i i really do it's not something that anybody ever wants to hear that b john robinson he was only on the field for 63 percent of the snaps only had 10 carries 10 carries he had six targets he caught all six of them 63 snap share and only 10 carries is not what you want out of somebody who was supposed to be not just the number one rookie running back, the number one running back in fantasy football this year. Over Christian McCaffrey, over Nick Chubb. People put that much pressure on B. John Robinson. And if this is the usage we're going to see out of him, he is not going to live up to the hype, at least not this year.
1: And, you know, that's why I always am hesitant about rookie running backs, just because you never know what the usage is going to look like. You can't call someone a bell cow until they're actually a bell cow. And it is concerning. I think everyone thought at the very least, you know, maybe 75, 25, not a 60, 40. And that could change. Maybe they're working him in. But right now, not a good look at all.
0: I would like to say one more thing. Yes, correct. Before we get to Jameer Gibbs. This is not a call to panic on B. John Robinson. No,
1: no, no. Not by any stretch.
0: This is not a call to sell B. John Robinson. Unless you want to sell him to me, then by all means, please do. You hold B. John Robinson because even on limited carries, he had 16 touches. He still turned that into over 20 fantasy points. So the the juice is there. The magic is there. But Arthur Smith really, and, and I don't know if we're going to see it because we saw what he's doing to Kyle Pitts. He might leave the Ferrari in the garage a lot. But when he's on the field, it'll be special, just like Jameer Gibbs was this, uh, this past Thursday against the Chiefs because he, too, looks
1: special. And the one last thing, we'll talk about the rookies before moving on to some veterans. Kravit, I have one important question for you. If you had to pick one of these young tight ends, because all of them showed that there could be something special in the future, no one bowing out quite just yet, but if you had to pick out of Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta, and Dalton Kincaid, from what you saw week one, pick one.
0: That's really hard. That might be the most difficult question that we have to answer all all, all episode and possibly all season. We're,
1: we're asking the tough questions. i I'll I'll, I'll I'll give you my my answer out of all three. I think I like Sam Laporta this year the most. And you know that may not change, but I think Kincaid down the road would probably be the best out of the three.
0: I still think Kincaid over those two, but I do have Laporta over Musgrave. Musgrave. So you're right about that. Today, Sean McDermott came out and said that they do desperately need a second wide receiving option on that team, which proves two things. One, and probably the most important thing, Will and I have been right about Gabe Davis from the get-go. We have been right about just how bad and how mediocre and how jaggy Gabe Davis has been from the get-go. And secondly that that position is open. And Dalton Kincaid did look very nice against a stout Jets defense. He can very easily move into the second receiver role and still have Dawson Knox be the operating tight end. And that's kind of what they showed that they're willing to do on Monday night. Monday night, yeah, Monday night. I think that Kincaid is 100% the rookie tight end you want this year. Musgrave, Musgrave, is going to be maybe the fourth or fifth option. Christian uh, Watson is going to come back eventually. Romeo Dobbs looked very good. Aaron Jones got a lot of burn. And then Musgrave and Dylan, I think are going to be the fifth options on that team. So Musgrave isn't it. And in the case of Laporta, he looked like a vet. He looked great. But from an offensive output standpoint, he's behind Gibbs. He's behind Montgomery. He's behind St. Brown. He's going to be behind Jameson Williams when he comes back. He operated behind Josh Reynolds. There are a lot of mouths to feed in Detroit. So I don't know how productive Laporta can be long term. Well, it's Kincaid for me all the way.
1: That's fair. One, one name that they no longer should ever be fed. Gravit, I'm sorry. The death of Marvin Jones is upon us. He did not look good.
0: I mean, we're a dynasty show, so I feel less bad about it. But off air, when we talk about redraft, I'm going to cry my eyes out. <laughs> Marvin Jones, let me tell you guys, if you've been following the show, you know Marvin Jones and Hunter Henry both have soft, sweet places in my heart for being the best wide receiver of all time and for being the best tight end of all time. It ain't it for Marvin Jones this year. Hunter Henry, however, is the tight end one on the season Will You know what that means? The best tight end of all Hi.
1: Well, I could tell you one thing. If you they have him. A... Yes, yes, I can. If if you have him, I'm not giving you Travis Kelsey.
0: What if I add Josh Gordon?
1: No, definitely not.
0: Garbage human being.
1: Sorry. Uh, so we move on from the rookies. Obviously, that is the main aspect of Dynasty. You're not really going to drop any of these guys. You're always going to wait to see what happens. More just kind of where we're at, you know, right now. There's veterans also that did not. Uh, do very well week one so the question is is that going to get better or is this a trend and you should try to cut bait trade maybe you know sell low but better to get something than you know nothing Kravit, we mentioned zay flowers how incredible he looked odell beckham could just be you know first game with a new team did not look great and rashad bateman was almost an afterthought which is Really crazy to think about both of them behind Zay Flowers, especially when you consider there was no Mark Andrews playing this weekend. It sucks.
0: Everybody was so excited for Odell Beckham to come back, and he had a 92% snap share. Odell Beckham was on the field a lot. Only saw three targets, only caught two of them for 37. And as bad as Odell was, Rashad Bateman was significantly worse. 39% snap share. On the field less than half the time, operating as the team's clear wide receiver three. He also only saw three targets. Lamar Jackson was obviously dealing with other things. First game back after the long injury. J.K. Dobbins tore an Achilles. He's done for the year again. His career is possibly over. There was a lot going on in that Baltimore game. Rashad Bateman should have been on the field more than 35% of the time, 30 39% of the time. Especially like you said, no Mark Andrews. Isaiah likely wasn't really doing much on the field as his replacement. This could have been the game where Bateman, Odell really step up and say, Rookie's gonna rookie. I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna be the alpha on this team. And instead, Zay Flowers was the star of the show. And now, the hard part, I don't really know how I feel about keeping Rashad Bateman or Odell Beckham Jr. on my roster, especially because today Mark Andrews is a full practice participant. and He's back this week. So there, there are targets that are going to go to Mark Andrews that obviously went to Flowers and Bateman and OBJ. But Flowers, at least to me, proved that he's more deserving of those targets than the other two are. I'm leaning dropping
1: both these guys. So, I have a question for you. What should I do if I own both of them on one team? Cry! I'll trade you both of them for Mark Andrews as you've wanted.
0: You? What do you mean <laughs> as I've wanted? Where? What is
1: this? Well, you don't just you wanted to trade Mark Andrews. I'm making you an offer now.
0: I I did want to trade Mark Andrews, but <laughs> not for that. How dare you? Oh, well, <laughs> no, I had No, no, to no, 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 and, and I am tanking in that league, but I ain't taking that much. <laughs> I am not tanking that much at all. Are you considering dropping them?
1: Not at the moment, because there's no one really to pick up, at least that right now, that you know really deserves the roster spot over them. But I have a, I still have a lot of picks coming up, and I have guys on my taxi squad that will probably get usage at some point this year. So it is possible down the road. Obviously, big things. J.K. Dobbins out for the year. So with that, you know, you have, Pretty much these guys were owned. Justice Hill, even in the Dynasty League, might not have been owned. So if he was available to pick up, I'm sure you've gone through that already.
0: <laughs> you know damn well in any Dynasty League that I'm in, Justice Hill is owned.
1: Oh. oh, well, yeah, probably. Uh, uh,
0: hashtag Justice for crab was a thing for a reason. That's all I'm saying.
1: But a guy that may not have been owned, obviously, you know, Gus Edwards, wouldn't be shocked because the NFL is weird like that that somehow now Melvin Gordon is active, and he cuts into those touches. Because Gus Edwards, can't catch, probably the best runner. Justice Hill, averaged under two yards a carry, somehow still had two touchdowns. So I really don't know how effective he's going to be. Melvin, obviously, was not great the last time. We did actually see him on a football field, but I do think he's a little bit better than Justice Hill. So we will you know, see how that you know plays out for the Baltimore backfield. Uh, Krav, Isaiah likely had an opportunity to fill in. He didn't do anything with it. That's a guy that, you know, at this point, probably doesn't need to be rostered anymore. And a guy like Greg Dulcich, another tight end where he's got a lot of tight end coverage, put on IR, out four weeks. Is he a guy because of his extensive injuries so far in his young year-and-a-half career? Can you rely on him at all? Is he worth even keeping on a roster?
0: He's worth keeping on a roster only because the tight end landscape is so barren. If he was a wide receiver, I would say no. If he was a running back, I would say maybe, but because he's a tight end and he, he was probably going to get some burn before he got hurt. Uh, He only saw two targets, caught them both. That offense has to get the ball to somebody. Russ did not look great. He did find Cortland Sutton, which is nice. Jerry Judy's supposed to be back. But we know Sean Payton really likes to get his tight end involved. And right now, when he comes back anyway, that's going to be Greg Dulcich. So I do think that Greg Dulcich still carries some sort of value. And he should not hit waiver wires unless you're in a pretty shallow league because there, there are leagues out there with four to five bench spots and there might not be any room for him. But if you have room for him, I 100% do think that he still deserves to be rostered. 100%. And, right. I, and, 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 and I feel the same way about uh, Chiggy Smalls over there in Tennessee. Okonkwo? Uh yes. I feel the same way about him. 83% snap share, only two targets. But we're playing this for the long term, boys and girls. Ryan Tannehill is not going to be the quarterback in Tennessee forever.
1: More like he looked abysmal. I think he's got like two games. If he doesn't, if he looks like that this week, I could very well see week three. I don't know if they're ready to go to Levis yet, who wasn't active. They may take a few games of Malik Willis, but I can't see them sticking with Tannehill if he doesn't like turn around. That game was absolutely atrocious. And I could already kind of, like, feel the vibe from DeAndre Hopkins that he was so, like, out of that game mentally by the end because it, that was, it was just ugly.
0: Absolutely it was ugly. horrible. It was terrible.
1: Just like most of the games from uh, this past week, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kravitz, there were other injuries. Deontay Johnson went down. You know, you have a couple of guys all over the place. Kenneth Gainwell, after the week, went down. There are guys that are, you know, possibly fill in, you know, Josh Reynolds was a pickup this week. People picking up Zach Moss because of Deion Jackson's ineffectiveness. Uh, our boy Rashid Shahid obviously turned up even with a healthy Mike Thomas. Hey, welcome back, Mike Thomas. He made it through a game as well as Chris Olave. Out of, you know, guys like Rashid or Moss or Allen Robinson back on the radar with the Deontay Johnson injury, or Josh Reynolds, who acted as a wide receiver, too, in Detroit. Any of these guys doing anything for you as actually being starter viable for the, at the moment?
0: I would absolutely love to see Allen Robinson become a fantasy-relevant football player again. Back in the day, Allen Robinson was really good. Perennial top 10, top 15 wide receiver, played with Blake Bortles, Blaine Gabbert, the worst of the worst in Jacksonville. Then he moved to Chicago, tried to play well, barely did, was absolutely ostracized on the Rams, and he comes back to the East Coast playing with Pittsburgh right now. And this Deontay Johnson injury left the door open for him. He had over 50 yards of receiving after Deontay left the field. And that Pittsburgh offense looked abysmal. Like Pittsburgh's offense and the Bengals offense, two of those AFC North teams, just horrendous. Nowhere order to go but up for either of those two teams, at least in my opinion. Allen Robinson is somebody who you could probably trade for pretty cheap. You could still even be on your waiver wire. Who the hell knows? He's somebody I would 150% give a chance. And somebody else who you didn't mention, Will, who I think can end up being pretty productive after being overlooked for younger guys. Robert Woods had 10 targets against Baltimore. was on the field 75% of the time, six catches, 57 yards. That's wide receiver three flex territory for me. If I can get that every single week out of Robert Woods, if he and Straub can build some sort of a connection, I'd be down to have that on my team.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, with Houston, you have so much hype around young receivers. Obviously, Tank Dell supposedly is going to get more involved. You have John Mechie working his way back. We're still waiting for Nico Collins to be a thing.
0: How dare you? Nico Collins had a great game last week. A great game. You want to know what Nico Collins did? Sure. On 11 targets, he had six catches in 80 yards. 14 points, William. Mm. 14 points. He did just fine. Don't you dare come for Nico Collins. (laughs) Well, very they, invested, did, guys.
1: they did have a tough first matchup. Let's be honest, that Baltimore team, they're going to be more about their defense than their offense, which is scary when you consider the names on their offense, but it always just seems like that offense is never quite clicking except for like three or four games of the year. But that defense is fast and legit, so a tough first step and I think they get a little bit more breathing room in week two against Indy. So I would not be surprised if you saw you know, a little bit more out of the Houston offense maybe your guy Damian Pierce doing a little bit more than I hope
0: so with the Eckler injury and with uh, Josh Kelly stepping up I really need Damian Pierce to step up as well though he was on the field for less than 50 percent of the snaps it could have been game script it could have been something but Mike Boone was more productive than he was Devin Singletary was almost as productive as Damian Pierce was that's not what I want to see as somebody who has equity in Damian Pierce don't need that in my life at all. This is also not a cry to pick up Mike Boone and not a cry to pick up Devin Singletary I'm telling you that right now. Don't do it. You'll regret it.
1: All right, Kravit. One last question for the week. What are Christian Kirk owners thinking right now? When he came in behind Etienne behind, obviously Ridley and behind Zay Jones, as far as his pecking order right now.
0: I mean, I've never been a Christian Kirk guy. I'm being honest. if I'm being honest with you just is never a Christian Kirk kind of guy and we knew going into the season that one this Jacksonville offense was going to be pretty special and two there are a lot of people to make happy on that offense and yes Christian Kirk was the guy to somehow reset the wide receiving market of all people Chad Khan gave Christian Kirk a hell of a contract Zay Jones who we all know I've been a truther of Zay Jones for a very long time here on the fdd slash bnk he's operating as that team's receiver kirk out of the slot is not where you want him to be um people who have a lot of equity in him are they're definitely not happy i'd be looking to try to trade him off that name value if i'm being honest with you would you buy low like
1: if you were someone like uh, got a good deal on him would you buy low
0: yeah sure but, but it would have to be pretty low. It would have to be like apple-bottom jeans, boots with the fur kind of low.
1: Mm, that's pretty low. It, it It is. So, pretty much in summation, the unfortunate thing is it was a sloppy week overall. You're looking for better from just about everybody. I think league, across all of our leagues, and we do quite a few, the, overall I feel like scoring was massively down week one. You only had a handful of guys you know, over 20 points on individual levels. And obviously we expect that to improve, just like not a great week one. And for us, we obviously know we did not have a good time week one. We still won, but it's such a deflating feeling when you lose your starting quarterback right at the start of the season.
0: Even when the Jets win, they lose. I feel like that's something that we have come to expect at this point. And I don't know why or how we didn't see it coming. We should have. That, we, that we that's the problem,
1: but you you were you were blinded by real not, not 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 even hope, real expectations, because especially the thing that hurt more was the fact that they won that game. And what I mean by that is when you saw how well that our team played, and then you're just thinking, if we only had him, that's gonna be... if if you don't have a successful season, which now it's up in the air, you know, with Zach Wilson being at the quarterback again. If you don't have one, that's going to be the lingering thought until Mm -hmm. next training camp.
0: Will, what kind of offer would it take for you to trade Garrett Wilson? Because Garrett Wilson coming into this year was as hot as any wide receiver that we've seen in a very long time. A very, very, very long time. The talent is there, obviously, but he's not going to be able to produce like he does is expected to this year. So if you were to get an offer for Garrett Wilson, I'm not saying to sell low, but what kind of an offer would it be? Because the offers that you were getting last week are vastly different than the offers you're getting today.
1: Oh, absolutely. I had at least two first round picks on the table with a player uh, during the, uh, during training camp for Garrett Wilson. And I wouldn't get that now. But I still, I wouldn't trade him for any less because just this year alone, I understand that you're not going to get that production. But overall, Garrett Wilson is a second-year player. If anything was proven, is that he is a hell of a wide receiver, that over the course of his career, you know, he's going to get better quarterbacks than what he currently has. And it's just going to be absolutely insane. So I don't think the value of what I'd ask for in a trade for him would go down. So I advise you all to hold out.
0: That's really depressing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very depressing. I'm, I'm, I am I, can't trade him right now. Because uh, I would not get but, enough But But you
0: could. I but could, but I would could. not. It will be so simple. Just do
1: it. No, I think I'm good. Uh, we hope no, all of you are good. We will be back will. next week. Talking week two. Giving, uh, you know, let's see where we are as far as our rookie takes. And whatnot, and we'll have some ads and drops for you next week, as we'll be doing our programming a little bit earlier in the week. Back to, uh, I'll accommodate ads and injuries as we are used to. Grab You want to hit us, our fan base, with the uh, oh, yeah, social yeah. media right here at the yeah, end sure, no problem. Thank
0: you. I-, I thought I did. I must have been muted. underscore ethos is where we are on the Twitter. We're also on on uh, on uh, Twitter at BNK Radio. So uh, FDD underscore Ethos, I want you to tell us who your most disappointing rookie this week was. Was most it Charbonnet?
1: Charbonnet? No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm
0: there. talking to the people. I'm talking to the people. Oh. You, you, you can answer too, but I want to I'm find sorry. that on social media. I want to find that on social media. Let us know on the Twitter. Was it Charbonnet? Was it QJ? Was it Tank? Was it a lot of people? There were JSN wasn't expected to do much, and he did even less. Roshan Johnson exceeded expectations. Let us know how you feel about the rookies on social media, if you'd be so kind.
1: And we hope you are kind and kind to us. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll be back next week, right here on First Down Dynasty.
0: Have a good night, everybody.